Let's open the Bibles, if you would, to the book of Joshua. Chapter 17. I'm going to preach the same message I preached over in the Spanish conference. I preached it in uh, in Mexico and uh, uh, in the conference here, and I'd like to preach it here tonight in this service because I don't like to study. Joshua chapter 17. Let's stand, if you would, as we read the word of God. Verse 12. Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. Yet it came to pass when the children of Israel were waxen strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute, but did not utterly drive them out. They could have driven them out. God commanded them to be driven out. Uh, but because of a half-hearted effort and trying to do the work of God in their own power, in their own flesh, they were unable to. Then they settled for tribute. It's uh, heartbreaking to me. Uh, Here's so many pastors have commented to me about uh, during the pandemic. Uh, uh, They don't know how many saved they've had. They don't know how many baptized they have, but they know their offerings. And they're excited about how the offerings did not dip. What do we need offerings for if we're not reaching souls for Christ? Many churches, many pastors are compromising their convictions today, lowering their standards uh, to receive tribute from unbelievers. Verse 14, the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot? one portion to inherit, seeing that I'm a great people, for as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto. Something that is destroying this country and nations around the world is a sense of entitlement. And somehow we we feel like we deserve something. If you read the Bible, all we deserve is, is a ticket to hell. Yet this sense of entitlement that people have, uh, uh, living off the government. I remember my my father and my mother teaching me when I was a young man, if the day ever comes, you have to live off the government or starve. Starve. Work ethic has been destroyed not only here in the States, but around the world, is is a satanic attack to destroy our work ethic. The feeling that we deserve something. They mentioned, for much as God hath blessed me hitherto. Listen very closely. The fact that God has blessed us hitherto does not mean that he's going to bless us in the future. God does not owe us anything. We owe everything to him. Joshua answered them, If thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country and cut down for thyself there in the land of the parasites and of the giants, if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. The children of Joseph said, The hill is not enough for us. The Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both they who are of Beth, uh, Bethshea and her towns, and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph, 
even to Ephraim and to Manasseh, saying, Thou art a great people, and hast great power. Thou shalt not have one lot only, but the mountain shall be thine. For it is a wood, and thou shalt cut it down. And the outgoings of it shall be thine, for thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. God, we ask you that you'd speak us to us this evening through thy word. I ask you, God, to speak through me. Fill us with the Holy Spirit, that I might speak thy word, and that we all might listen to thy word, and then apply the word of God to our lives, and to our ministries, and to what we're trying to do for God. Increase our faith through the word of God. God, we ask you that you'd give faith to anyone here tonight that's not sure they're on their way to heaven. We ask no one would leave this service without Christ in their heart. God, please bless now your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Oftentimes I preach on the Old Testament. I, I, I love to see how the Old Testament stories illustrate the doctrines and teachings of the New Testament. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that the stories of the Old Testament were given and are especially important to us who are now living in the end times. My friend, even unbelievers, even people that know uh, not God, know that this world is not going to continue much longer. Today, the threats of, of nuclear war and a third world war were stronger than ever today. Things were escalating. Uh, folks, uh, be, before this service ends tonight, the rapture could come. Even lost people know with all that's going on around the world today, uh, the, the people that died during the pandemic, we lost over 500 church members and, and uh, many countries in South America and Mexico were hit much stronger than, than here in the United States. I have no idea why, if it has to do with nutrition or what, but but. Whole families wiped out. Mothers and fathers and children, whole family wiped out. And people are thinking, as never before, what's going to happen after I die? We're seeing more people saved than we, we ever thought we would. I, my heart was broken when the government closed the churches in Mexico. And I, God's given us auditoriums now and buildings for 12,400 people. I was walking through the buildings that were empty. My daughter, Becky, saw me and said, Dad, what's wrong? I told her as I looked around the building, I said, I'd rather have died than see these buildings empty. But God spoke to my heart. We started meeting in homes, started meeting in houses. And I said, well, if that's the way I'm going to end up, I'll go back to doing that. And we went to break, broke up the church. And uh, being independent Baptist, it's easy to divide churches. But we divided up into some 200 groups in Mexico City, bought some 200 baptistries, preached under bridges, preached in empty fields, uh, preached in the homes of wherever we could, and, and uh, uh, began preaching to over 50,000 people a week. Last year was our best year ever with, with the pandemic and all the restrictions. Over 2 million people saved in preaching services. Not counting all the people that were saved knocking on doors and soul winning. We have over 4,000 people go out knocking on doors and witnessing every week. But 
Over 2 million saved in services. Over 50,000 people baptized last year. People are more receptive, more hungry for the gospel than I've ever seen them. And uh, when the church came back together now and meeting back in the buildings, the uh, church actually grew during the pandemic instead of going down. My friend, there's no limit to what God can do. Joshua now is dividing out the inheritances. This is important to us. The, the name Joshua, Yeshua, Jehovah saves. Jehovah saves. It's the same name of Jesus Christ. This story, like many stories in the Old Testament, is an allegory, is a, 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 an example to us who are Christians. Jesus, now Joshua, a, a symbolic man, is now giving out the inheritance to the people of God. Our salvation was purchased by Jesus Christ. Our entrance, he is the door to heaven. He is the way to heaven. And he purchased our salvation. But your inheritance, your recompense in heaven, will depend on what you do for God. The battles that we face and the, the sacrifices that we make and the work that we do is what will result in our inheritance someday. The book of Luke chapter 19, Jesus had just led uh, Zacchaeus to Christ and the famous verse, for the Son of Man has come to, speak, to seek and to save that which was lost mentions this also in Matthew chapter 18, referring to children. Don't give up on the children ministries, and the devil's attacking, trying to get us to stop reaching children for Christ as well. But, but uh, uh, Jesus said that as well about children. He doesn't want children to be lost. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. The doctrine of Calvinism is a Doctrine straight out of hell. John Calvin, Calvin was, a, was a murderer. He would take uh, those who believed in baptism by immersion to rivers and, and, and plunge them under the water until they drowned. Oh, you believe in immersion, do you? He was an assassin. His doctrine, his false doctrine, still continues to, to kill souls today. But Jesus, after talking about how that he had come to seek and to save that which was lost, by the way, my friend, Jesus, before he went to heaven, said, as the Father sent me, now so send I you. I remember back, I came into fundamentalism. I was saved reading the Bible. Uh, for three years, I didn't go to any church. I got the idea, reading the Bible after I got saved, that, that they killed all the Christians off. No one had ever witnessed to me. When you're young, you're stupid. But uh, I, I, I didn't go to any church for three years, but after I was called to preach uh, 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 sitting on a beach there in Carlsbad, California. Uh, we had kind of a semi-private beach in front of the house and uh, sitting there reading the Bible. I read Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. And Christ says that all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Therefore, he commands us to go and to teach all nations baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. And then teach 
all the commandments of God. As fundamental Baptists, we believe in preaching all the commands of God, all the word of God. Pastors nowadays uh, refuse to preach on women wearing pants and preach uh, the old standards and convictions uh, because they say, oh, that runs people off, that offends people. We ought to be concerned about offending God and making God angry rather than worry about what people think. Those who are of God, they want God's word. They're, they're searching for the truth. But I read those verses, and God called me to be a missionary. I sold all that I had, and I took off, traveled through Mexico, and then into uh, South America, up the Amazon River, into the mountains of Peru. There in the mountains of Peru, somebody invited me to church. First time I'd ever gone to a Christian church. The pastor, Arthur Gibbs, began to witness to me. I, back then, I had long hair and a beard, uh, uh, I'd seen the paintings in the Catholic Church as I grew up with Jesus with long hair, so I thought that was the thing to do. Had long, it, was, it was blonde because I, I, I spent so much time surfing in the ocean. Uh, uh, my hair was blonde. It was, it was beautiful. If I'd only known this was, was I would I would have cut it off and made a wig out of it. But there, in, in, in Peru, I... I was uh, uh, baptized there in Peru and sent back. My brother Gibbs said I needed to go to Bible college and sent me back to the States. I thank God that God directed me up here to the Hiles Anderson and the ministry of Jack Hiles. But I remember back in those days, in, uh, in the years of 1976, coming into fundamentalism, and the emphasis was constantly soul winning, soul winning, soul winning. John R. Rice and Curtis Hudson and Lee Robertson and Brother Howells preaching that soul winning was the main thing. And we were giving ourselves over to winning souls to Christ and a great deal of preaching on the second coming of Christ and preaching on prayer. In every state of the United States, the largest church was an independent fundamental Baptist church. God was blessing and God was using us because we put soul winning ahead of everything. It's the only thing we can do on, on this life, on this planet, that will not do better in heaven. The only thing that we can't do better in heaven is win souls to Christ. Jesus, after that, in verse 12, says, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But its citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. That's what this world is mad about. They know someday judgment day is coming. That's why they deny God. That's why they teach evolution. That's why they, they deny the Creator. Because they don't want to admit that the judge is, is on his way and will judge them. Came to pass when he, he was returned, having received the kingdom, he commanded these servants to be called unto him, and whom he had given the money, and he might know how much every man had gathered by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. He said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful. Very little. By the way, things of this world, my friend, 
are very little importance. All that we have in this world is temporal. Everything you can see and touch will not last. We're supposed to be stewards of what God has loaned to us so that we can obtain something more important. Have thou authority over ten cities. I remember Brother Howes used to talk about someday he's going to be the mayor of Hammond. I believe he will be. I think that he'll be all over he'll be over all Chicago and who knows whatever else. The second came saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. He said, Likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. Another came and said, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. I feared thee because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up without layest not down and re and uh, reapest that which thou didst not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee. Thou wicked servant, thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I lay down now, and reaping that that I did not sow. And wherefore then givest thou uh, my money to the, to the bank, that, it, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury, with interest. He said unto him, that stood by, take from him the pound and give it to him that hath ten pounds. By the way, God is not a communist. God is a capitalist. The Bible teaches if you don't work, you don't eat. You don't eat, you die. God God wants us to work. God wants us to, to produce something. And my friend, there's nothing more important. The only thing we can take to heaven are the people that are saved through our personal witness and, and soul winning, and those who are saved through our giving. That's the only interest we're going to be taking to heaven. That's the only thing that's going to be in your account in heaven someday. What we do for God will someday result in your inheritance, what you receive, and what you're able to do for God, serving God someday in eternity. Some of you who are carnal Christians, that doesn't matter to you, but I promise you someday on Judgment Day it's going to matter. If you'll get in the Bible and start praying and start walking with God, it'll start to stir your heart and you'll realize how important this is. Yes, you're going to heaven because you trusted Christ as your Savior. But your inheritance depends on what you do for God. By the way, God's not interested in excuses. I remember here at First Baptist uh, on our bus route, we were asked to pick up on the route a young lady, Ruth Balkunas. Ruth was a, a, a beautiful young lady and received Christ as her Savior. But uh, Ruth didn't want to come to church on the weekend. Because she loved to dance. She was a tall young lady. She loved to dance. She says, oh, I'd like to go to church, but that's when the dances are. And she was a good dancer. I took her out four times myself. Boy, that gal could dance. She was in a car. It was cold. There was some of what they would call that black ice, the Ice said, looked like pavement. It's always cold up here. It's like, why do you people live up here? It's always cold. 
It's always miserable. I don't care what time of the year. I don't know. I don't want to get on that. Brother Kevin, don't you like the north? No, I'm from the south. I was born in southern Minnesota. <laughs> Ruth was driving to a dance and hit a patch of ice. wasn't going all that fast, but the car uh, slid on that ice and hit a, a telephone pole and split the car in two and took her legs with half the car. I remember going to see her in the hospital. She wanted to come to church. She was in the hospital, just getting released out of the hospital. And she said, I can go to church now. She said, I thank God that he cared enough about me to punish me. No bitterness. Some of you get it bent out of shape because you think something happened in your life that, that God shouldn't have allowed. You're an idiot. God knows what he's doing. And he doesn't have to explain anything to us. I remember picking her up on the bus and she, she didn't, we, we, we took time to gather money together and buy her a wheelchair. But I remember her coming, dragging herself out to the bus going up the steps. We wanted to help her up. the. She said, no young man will touch me. No man will touch me unless someday I marry. Only my husband will touch me. Remember her going out soul winning, dragging herself up to doors and, uh, uh, and, and knocking on doors. Uh, uh, there, people would open the door and she'd be down. She'd be dragging herself through the mud and the snow and uh, uh, in a long dress. And she'd be looking up to him, I'm down here. And she'd lift them up there. She'd get them saved. Oh, but you have your excuses. You have your reasons you can't go soul winning. I might get sick. I might get COVID. You need to understand that your judge is austere. Your judge was not going to take your excuses. Jesus loves you, my friend. But he's also looking for you to show your love for him. And someday your inheritance will be determined on what you did for God. Joseph comes, the tribe, asking for a bigger inheritance or asking for, a, for an easier field. And folks, I understand it's not easy in the States. We're starting churches in Mexico and South America and, and, uh, uh, and di all, all different countries and building some tremendous auditoriums, just finishing up a 5,000-seat auditorium in, in Monterey, Mexico, and building several auditoriums of, of 1,000 and 2,000 in different parts of the world. We're trying to start some churches here in the United States. And I know what it's like here. It's not easy. It's harder. But what you're doing here in the States is what's allowing missionaries around the world to reach those who are more receptive for the gospel. Your work here might be a little more difficult, a little harder to do, but God's using it in an amazing way. God speaks to the heart of Joshua. Joshua first, he, he replies to the, 
to the people of Joseph. By the way, that was his tribe. He was showing no favoritism. Some of you form your little groups here in the church. Us four, no more. Joshua was, was a just judge, he, he, a just leader. I, I see pastors going, uh, making friends with the wealthy people in the church and then forgetting about the poor. Joshua wasn't that way. He loved everyone. He was just, just with everyone. But he speaks to the people, and, and uh, uh, they, they say, it's not enough for us. And he, uh, uh, he replies to them, if thou be, be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country and cut down for thyself there in the land of the parasites and of the giants, if the Mount Ephraim be too narrow. Uh, he's being sarcastic. He's being sarcastic. You, you notice when you read the Bible, some of the prophets were very sarcastic when they preached. By the way, Paul taught that rebuke them sharply that they might be sound in the faith. Today we have a lot of Christians that can't take persecution. They can't even take preaching. How are you going to take persecution? You can't even take preaching from a preacher who loves you and is trying to help you. Why? Because you're stupid. I don't like that. I'm not coming back to this church. Not my church. I don't care. As long as my support doesn't go down. Elijah was mocking and making fun of the, of the Baal worship as they cut themselves and, and bleeding. Says, maybe your God's sleeping. Maybe he's on a journey. Laughing at them, mocking them. See, you read the sermons of Jesus. He was sarcastic. He was mocking. By the way, God's not impressed with the wisdom of man. He's, he's making fun of them. Say, you're that great people. Go up to the wood. Cut down the, the trees. Fight the giants. Conquer the land. The children of Joseph come back and say, the hill is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron. Those uh, who are Bethshashan and the towns, they, you know, I can pretend I can't pronounce this because I preach in Spanish. The truth of the matter is, I don't know how to pronounce that anyway. And they who are of the valley of Jezreel and, the, and Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and to Manasseh, saying, Thou art a great people and hast great power. He's now not being sarcastic. He's telling them a fact. You're a great people. You have great power. Not, not because there's anything good in us, folks. Read Romans chapter 7. There's nothing good in us. There's not one thing in us that deserves heaven when we die or the blessing of God while we live. Nothing. But he says you are a great people. Why? Because they have a great God. Look at the book of Ephesians, if you would. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul says in 
Verse 2, grace be to you in peace from God our Father. God's our Father. Think of that for a while. And from the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed be the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. By the way, the Bible teaches predestination is because God is omniscient and because God is omnipresent in time. God exists in all time at the same time. God, uh, 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 for example, went to John on the Isle of Patmos, and, and God sends uh, for John, and John is taken in the spirit. Uh, let's see. Could, could you be John if you can help me? Okay. Well, you're a big John. Uh, big bad John. Uh, and he takes John up into heaven 2,000 years at least in the future. We don't know for sure when Jesus is coming. I think it's soon. And it's not going to hurt you to think it soon, by the way. You don't have to be scared. Folks, the next thing, major thing that's coming is the rapture. But he takes John, and turn around this way, John, and uh, shows him the whole multitude there before the throne of God in heaven. John says, by the way, John sees us. You're going to be there someday. You're going to see John standing up there and, Hey, just say, hey, John, here I am. And he sees the multitudes there in heaven. First, they're praising God because he's our creator. And then they're praising God and falling to their knees and giving him all the honor and the glory and the praise because he's the one that redeems us. By the way, Baptist doctrine is Bible doctrine. We believe that salvation depends 100% in Jesus Christ. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. All the honor, all the glory goes to God. Reason we serve God is because we love him. And because he, we know he rewards those who trust him and obey him. And we have fear of God. But John then sees all the revelations and what's going to happen. And then God takes John. By the way, you can't take someone somewhere that you're not. If Brother Wilkerson tonight takes me to a, a nice restaurant, he never does. He always takes me to some cheap little taco place. This is the cheapest man I've ever met. But that's a different sermon. Someday God's going to judge you. Uh, but if he takes me somewhere, he's there him, himself. So God, is, he is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning. He, he exists everywhere. So if you understood that, my friend, you wouldn't be watching the pornography that you're watching. If you knew God was there, seeing those texts that you send, and seeing those messages that you're reading, you wouldn't be doing it if you understood that God is there seeing everything. Then he takes John back down, back to the Isle of Patmos, and takes him back to where he was again. Uh, God saw your salvation 
before this earth even existed. He saw you'd hear the gospel, you'd hear a, a sermon, or a soul winner would knock on your door. He saw somebody would hand you a tract. He saw that you would trust Christ. And before this world ever existed, he wrote your name in the book of life, and he's, he's, he's made you his child, and he's made you his people. He's chosen us. Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame. By the way, Peter says the same thing. God's looking for a peculiar people. God's looking for people that are different, that live different. Christians aren't supposed to be making worldly people feel comfortable. Our music shouldn't make lost people comfortable. We shouldn't try to make the church of God. The church of God is the bride of Christ. It does not exist to please the world. It exists to please our Savior. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of the children by Jesus Christ, we're born again by the Spirit of God and we're adopted into the family. God, God, two times God calls us his children. We're his children because he's chosen us, and we're his children because we're born again of the Spirit of God, according to the good pleasure of his will. You know why you're going to heaven? Because God wanted you to. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Not long ago, a missionary friend of mine, Mike Madison, went to heaven, but I remember Mike preaching in our church there in Mexico, explaining that verse. He said it was a, a term pastors would use. And pastor would find a, 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 sh a sheep that had a lamb that had died. And he'd find another uh, sheep that had a lamb where the mother had died giving birth. And what a pastor would do at times, he would take that living lamb from the dead mother, take it to the to the mother whose lamb had died, but she would reject it. She would not accept it. She would not give it milk or life. So what the wise pastor would do was take with his knife and cut off the skin of the dead lamb and take the blood of the dead lamb and cover it with that blood and take the skin and cover it with that. We're literally, folks, we're in Christ. We're hid in Christ. I remember the old preachers talking about if the devil wanted to take you to hell, he'd have to go into Christ to get you, and he'd get saved. He'd be brother Satan. We're safe and secure, and no one will take us out of Jesus' hand, of the Father's hand. But he would take that, 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 that living lamb, he would take it to the to the to the to the mother, and now it would be accepted in the beloved and received as if it was his own. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Someone needs to explain that to John MacArthur and you idiots that read after him and study after him. He's a heretic. Oh, he's a good brother. I'm more, more and more fundamentalist. What a good example in brother John MacArthur. John MacArthur's a heretic making friends tonight, I can tell already. Boy, you know, you, you should have just said it, instead of giving me that dirty look, you should have just said amen. 
I'm going to park on that subject, I think. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. By the way, we have a purpose in life. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast that we, we are his workmanship, created in Christ unto good works. God has a plan for your, your life. God has a ministry. Every child of God has a ministry. Ephesians 4 teaches God gives us the prophets and the apostles, the word of God. And this is the inspired word of God. This is what the prophets wrote, what the apostles wrote, inspired of God, preserved by God. And then he gives us pastors. What a wonderful pastor God's given you here. I, I Knows everybody's name. I don't know anybody's name. Everybody in my church is brother and sister. The other day, one of my members came up to me, Brother Kevin, I know you don't know my name. I've only been here 15 years. And they were right. I don't even know my staff's name. I hate this guy. In Christian love. God's given you pastors and teachers. And, 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 and why? To edify you for the work of the ministry. Church is not a social club. Church is a place you come to be edified, where you come to grow through the preaching of the Word of God, through the music. The music tonight. That little kid. I wish I could get him deported to Mexico. I can't believe Little kid, the way... I think he's got a demon. That's... That's not natural anybody could play like that. But God gives you all that to edify you and strengthen you to do his will, to fulfill his purpose that he purposed in himself. That in the dispensation, if you could understand the reason you exist, Everything was created by him and for him. If you could just understand that, get your mind wrapped around that, you wouldn't have that bitterness in you. You'd understand, God doesn't exist to serve you. You and I exist to serve him. He goes on and says, verse 14, the earnest of our inheritance, the Holy Spirit, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. And by the way, he's coming soon for us. We're a great people because we have a great God who's adopted us into his family, who's given us the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus lives within us. We're a great people. And Joshua says you have great power. God never gives a command. The reason they had great power is because God had commanded them to conquer the land. God never gives us a command without giving us the power to fulfill that command. When he commanded a, 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 a per, per, what do you call it, a invalid to, to rise up and walk, he gave them the strength to rise up and walk, leaping oftentimes. 
Those, some who had never, never walked before, and they're leaping and jumping. It was God that gave them that ability. Commanded a, a blind man to see, God would give them the ability to see. Commanded a, a deaf man to hear, he'd give them the ability to hear. When they commanded the children of Israel to cross the, 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 the uh, Red Sea, God opened the sea and allowed them to do it. When God commanded Lazarus, come forth. He who had been dead for four days. God never commands us without giving it. That's why Jesus says, all power is mine. Heaven and earth, I'm the all-powerful. Therefore, go and teach all nations. Therefore, Mark 16, preach the gospel to every creature. Joshua says, you can do it. You have great power. But you'll never see that power until you obey what God has told you to do. The souls that you win here, the people that building this church here and, 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 and doing the work of God here is having an impact all over the world. Joshua commands them to go to the woods. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back. Why don't you sit all the way back here with the backsliders, honey? Oh, you're with Mrs. Lapina. I understand now. He tells them to go and, and to, to cut down the woods. There were, there were giant trees and great woods and uh, giants in the mountains. And Joshua says, go up there and cut those trees down. By the way, the Bible says, if you look, if I ever get back to here, the uh, <laughs> Bible says that in the book of Psalms, I remember years ago, some of you might have been here, I remember, uh, what was his name, A.V. Henderson, I think, preached graduation, preached a tremendous sermon. Look at the book of Psalms, if you would, chapter 74. I'm almost done, folks. I'm, I'm hungry. Don't worry. Can't wait to go to that cheap taco place. Chapter 74, Psalms, look at verse 4. Thine enemies roar in the midst of the, thy congregation. By the way, you know, the devil hates churches. The, the, the church is the plan of God until the end of the age, my friend. <laughs> and, and after that, too, Hebrews chapter 12. God, Jesus didn't die for the Internet. Jesus didn't die for YouTube and Facebook. And some of you idiots that are still watching services instead of going to church. Oh, I'm scared. Yeah, but we see it at Walmart. Not scared to go to Walmart, are you? Remember one preacher said, when I die, I want to be buried at Walmart. I said, why? He said, I want my wife to visit me from time to time. Thine enemies roar in the midst of thy congregation. They set up their ensigns for signs. A man was famous according as he had lifted up axes upon the thick trees. But now they break down thy carved work. Therefore at once with axes and hammers. They've cast fire into thy sanctuary. Defiled by casting down the dwelling place 
of thy name. By the way, God loves his house. And the house of God of the New Testament is the church of God. They went. Joshua says, go out there and uh, take, take uh, your axe. I don't have an axe, but I have a machete. I, I've noticed through the years people pay more attention while I'm preaching with a machete. Especially when you kill a non-tither or two. But imagine someone going up and not cutting down one of the great trees, but they go up and they cut down a little tree. Oh, you killed a tree. You really are dumb. You're sitting on a wood pew. Your Bible's made out of paper, you idiot. Killed a tree. Your house is made out of wood. Uh, there's no hope for you. Imagine coming back. Look what I cut down. No. Those who were building the house of God were were famous. They were recognized for lifting up uh, on the on the great tree. I, we had our problems back. In the 70s and the 80s, we had our problems. I understand that. But at least we had a vision and a desire to do something great for God. I see young people now. We, we ask them, a, we can help them build a, a church for God if they'll, they'll work. Well, I just want to be faithful. I'm just going to go to Bible college and go work a bus route somewhere. Where's the burning fire that was once in us as fundamentalists? We forgot why we were doing what we were doing. It wasn't for us. It was for his glory. It was for his name. And we lifted up the axes on the thick trees. We built works for God because we wanted his name to be known. And folks, we've got to get back to that. Curtis Hudson used to tell young people to go out in a small town, build a church running five or 600, capture that town for Christ. Lift up the axes. By the way, my friend, God will light that fire in your soul if you ask him to. Read Philippians 2, 13. Read Colossians 1, 29. God will call unto me, and I will answer thee. I'll show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. You ask God, 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 give me the desire to see people saved around the world. Give me the desire to, to fill the pews of this church, to fill the balcony of this church. Give me a desire to fill my route, to fill my Sunday school class. God will build that fire in your soul if you ask him to. Joshua says, you are a great people. You have great power. And you will conquer. And you will succeed. But you have to try. God will be with you. 
And God will give you the power to do what no man can do.